I invite you to open up to 1 Timothy chapter 2. And we're going to be looking at a very popular topic this morning. <laughs> On why women, should they preach or should they not preach? And the title of the sermon is, Should Women Preach? And we're going to see, you know, what, what the Bible says when it comes to that. You know, I love being with my kids, um, and we got to spend some precious time with Ellie and and Johnny, and that was that was beautiful. They've grown so much in the last month and a half since we haven't seen them, and um, and just excited to see their friends. You know, one person said this: "We are the average of the five best friends that we have. They they influence our lives a lot, and they pick some really good, sweet friends. And I'm thankful to God for that. Some of them are New York Giant fans, Amen. And uh, we actually got to watch the game together with some of them, and. Johnny got tired and went to sleep, and I'm sitting with kids that are not even my kids, and we're watching the game in the dorm room, and we're screaming and yelling and having fun, and, and uh, just, you know, just right at home there. It was beautiful. And I said, hey, son, guess what I'm preaching this Sunday? I'm preaching on should women preach? And he goes, oh, wow, that's great. So, so what does the son do to help his father? He opens up ChatGPT. And, and uh, he says, all right, Dad, we'll see what this says. So he ChatGPTs. Write a sermon on why women should not preach according to the Bible. Listen how ChatGPT helps us. It says this, I cannot create content promoting discrimination or inequality based on gender, race, or any other factor. I am here to provide positive and helpful information. Thank you, ChatGPT. The one time I need you, you let me down. Right? I've never used it before, but the one time I was kind of hoping to get out of this one, and it didn't, it didn't help me. Listen to this guy, Andrew Wilson. Some of you know him. He's a prominent um, uh, uh, preacher. He's a pastor at King's Church in London, and he writes for Christianity Today and very influential. And he gives three arguments on why women should preach. He says uh, the first argument is that not all preaching contains teaching. So you can get into the pulpit and you can exhort, you can prophesy, you can evangelize, but there's the difference between preaching and what contains teaching. And we would say, all preaching better have teaching, amen? Or we're in big trouble. And uh, we can't separate the two, but he, he wanted to separate the two. Listen to this other argument he uses. His second argument is that in this text, Paul is going to mention that this is apostolic. This comes from the apostles. This is, needs to be preserved by the apostles. He's talking about teaching that comes straight from the apostles down to us. So that teaching women cannot do, but other teaching they can. All teaching comes from God. And elders are to preserve the Word of God by preaching the Bible. And so uh, that argument doesn't work. But I love this argument. You ready for the third one? This is a beauty. He says, there are two different kinds of teaching. There's the big T and there's the little T. The big T, that's only for the elders. The little T, that's for anybody. 
And so women can come up and preach and teach, whatever, as long as it's not the big T. I mean, if they get up there and they're going to do the big T, then you got to be worried. They, they shouldn't do that. But the little T they can do. All right. Uh, <laughs> explain to me the difference between the big T and the little T again. Uh, isn't all God's word inspired? Isn't all God's word powerful? What's the, the big, you can't make that distinction. But yet he does. And so people buy. Now let me let me say this before we even get into the text. I have met women pastors. I have met them. They're in our area. I uh, once was in a prayer meeting with a woman pastor, and um, and as we were praying to God, all of us pastors together, and uh, she kept saying Hallelujah, 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 Hallelujah. And, and we, we couldn't get our attention on the prayer. We're trying to, to pray, and all we hear is, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. So I come home from that, and Katie goes, how was that? And I said, you know, this, I, I really tried to pray. I mean, I tried, but all I could hear is, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I couldn't get the prayer out. So about a half hour passes by, and I forget about that conversation with Katie, and we're at the car out here, and I said, Katie, I'm heading off to make a meeting. Let's pray real quick. And I start praying, and Katie starts going, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. <laughs> I wanted to die. <laughs> you don't think she has a person? She really is. She got me so good. I was, my vein was hanging out of my neck. <laughs> what does the Bible say? That's what we want to see this morning. Forget about what I think or what you think. What does the Scripture say? And I want you to look at verse 11. Now, we're going to outline this passage first, and then we're going to get into it. Verse 11 here tells us what women can do, what they can do. Verses tw verse 12 says what women cannot do, and he mentions two things that they cannot do there. Verse 13 and 14 tells us why women cannot do these two things. And then verse 15 is a unique verse in itself that's going to tell us, yes, what women can do and only women can do in verse 15 unless a woman feels inferior and thinks that they have no part in God's work. A beautiful verse, Lord willing, when we get to that. So verse 11 is going to tell us what women can do. Verse 12 is going to tell us two things women cannot do. Verse 13 and 14, it's going to tell us why women cannot do those things. And then verse 15 God has uniquely gifted women to be able to do something that men could never do. And that's going to be exciting here. So we're going to, we're going to look at this. Let's look at what, what women can do here in verse 11. And, and this is speaking to both, so we need to understand. He's going to tell us what women can do, and he's going to tell us also men need to step up here. We're going to, we're going to see here in a moment. Now look at verse 11. He's saying, A woman must quietly receive instruction. The, the only command in verse 11 is to receive instruction. And it's the word for disciple in the Greek. So what he is saying is that women should take the attitude of a disciple. What is a disciple? A disciple is a learner. We learn. Praise God because... In, in, in those days, in that culture, women were not that well educated. They really didn't have opportunities to learn. But he's saying, when they come into the assembly, they ought to be learning. We ought to be learning. Learn, continue to learn. It's present tense. We never arrive. We ought to come with an attitude that I want to learn about God. I want to learn about the Bible. I want to learn about the essentials of the faith. 
and no one ever arrives. That's what's amazing about learning, is we continue to learn. He's saying, when you walk into the assembly, here's your attitude, your heart attitude. When you walk in, you're there to learn. You want to learn about God. You want to learn about His Word. You want to learn how to live in this life. Wow, what a heart desire. And then he's going to tell us in verse 11 how they're supposed to learn. We are to learn, a woman must, how receive it? Quietly receive instruction. Now, here's where Greek gets fun. There is a word in Greek that tells you to shut your mouth. That's not the word here. And so he's not saying, women, come into the church and shut your mouth. I was going to title the sermon that, but I don't think many people would come. Yeah, and, and, and it's not biblical because he's not saying to do that. The word is used also in this context. Look at verse 2 in, in, in chapter 2. The same word quietly is used there. He says this, we're to pray for kings in verse 2 and all those in authority that we may lead a tranquil life. The word there is a ruly life, a life that doesn't have disruptions in it. That's not disruptive. What he's saying is this, when women come into the assembly, they shouldn't be unruly and disruptive and not settle down. We actually had a lady in Argentina, uh, the, the, the marriage wasn't going too well, and the husband and her would sit in the front row, and she was, I mean, loud. And she would grab her bulletin when I would say something about the man. And she would grab the bulletin and smack her husband. And I'd preach something. I'm like, women, you need to submit. Smack the husband. Unbelievable. I'm like, holy cow, what in the world? Just, just hit him like that. I'm like, wow. I'm like, unbelievable. And so I was like, I didn't know what to preach. And I was so scared to preach because every time I said something, she would hit her husband. That was disruptive. Women don't do that. All right, don't, don't, don't be disruptive in his steps. Some of you want to give him a nice elbow. Give him a nice elbow in his hip, hip. Get him right here, you know what I mean? Give him right there. But don't, don't smack him in front of everybody. Don't be disruptive. Learn. And look at this here in verse 11. Must receive instruction, how? With entire submissiveness. Submitting to the highest degree. In other words, learning could be very dangerous. And some don't have a teachable spirit. In other words, they come into church and they say, I know this. What is he going to teach me? What, I, don't, I don't need to know this. I understand this. You're not going to teach me nothing. I'm not going to receive anything. I even had a lady tell me before one sermon, don't you dare tell me to submit to my husband. I am not going to do that. I'm like, whoa, I didn't even open up the Bible yet. Some people, they come and their hearts are so hard, they say, I know this stuff. I don't need to hear anything. I got this. So who cares what you say? No. He's saying when you walk into the assembly, you ought to have a heart that's willing to learn, a heart that is open to God, a heart that is willing to receive what God says and to submit to God. Sometimes our hearts get so hard, we think we know it all. We don't know it all. So God, help us. Give us a teachable spirit. When you walk in, he's saying, women, here's what you need to do. You have to have a heart that desires to know God's word and to learn God's word and not be disruptive or angry or unruly about it, but accept it before God. Here's where it gets hard. What if you know more than the person teaching you? 
That's where the hard heart gets. And he says, even in that case, have a receptive, submissive heart. Learning can be dangerous. Some ladies learn the Bible so well, they put their husbands to shame. I say, turn to this passage, and they're there in two seconds, and the husband's an hour and a half later, he finally gets there. I say, can you quote this? The lady's right there quoting it, and the man can't quote it. Even then, learn. Submit to that. Have a heart that is open to that person. And, and here's what he says. This is what you can do. You, can, you may not be well educated outside in that culture, but you can learn the Bible and understand the essential truths of the Scripture. Now, watch this. Here's what they cannot do. Look at verse 12. He says here, a woman in verse 11 must quietly receive instruction, not be disruptive, but receive it, must do it with an open heart, entire submissiveness to the highest degree. And then in verse 12, he's going to say this, I do not allow, that is present tense. He is saying this is not going to happen, not now, not ever. This will not happen now or ever. What does he not want to happen now or ever in the assembly? Here's what he says. Verse 12. First word in the Greek there is to teach. Now watch this. It's interesting that this is in the present tense. Because there's a way of putting it in the aorist tense that talks about an event. I don't permit her to teach one time. That's not what he's saying. He's saying this. I don't, I don't want her... To teach, to be a teacher. When, when the same word is used in different tenses, it changes the word. When the word for faith is used in the aorist, it's talking about put our trust in Christ. When the word for faith is put in the present tense, it speaks of being a believer. When the word in the aorist is, speaks of a teacher, it speaks of someone who teaches once. But when it speaks of in the present tense, it's talking about a teacher, their life. He says, a woman cannot be a teacher in the church. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Doesn't the Bible say that women can teach other women? And all God's people said? Amen. Amen. It's in Titus 2. Wait a minute. Can't women teach children? Yeah, of course they can. Who taught Timothy the Bible? <laughs> Wasn't Priscilla and Aquila, didn't they pull Apollos aside and talk to him the more way, more accurate way of the Word of God? Didn't they do that? Of course they did in a private conversation. But let me share something with you. Back then, there was no Sunday schools. Amen? God, God uh, this man-made Sunday school. There were no women classes. There were no children's church. Sorry, guys. I, I know it's your life, your heart, your passion. But it, it, that's man-made. There were none of these things. What he's talking about is when we come into the assembly to worship God, a woman is not allowed to come into the pulpit and to teach biblical truths with the authority that comes with being a teacher. Because that is reserved for the elders. You say, who are these elders? Well, we're going to study that in the next one in chapter 3. But in the assembly, he's saying this, I do not allow now or ever, present tense, for them to take the role, the function of a teacher. Now, what else does he say? Look at this here. 
He says, or exercise authority. That's only used here in the New Testament, that word. And what the word means is to hold an office. He's saying this, if they can't do the function, guess what else they can't do? They can't have the office. Some people say, well, what about women pastors? Why can't we have women pastors? Here's why we can't have women pastors. Because women pastors can't preach. And if they can't preach, they can't be women pastors. Because pastors do what? They preach. They teach. They teach. And so he's saying if they can't have the function, guess what? They can't have the office. Some people say, well, if they can't have the office, they can at least have the function. No. Paul says they can't have the function. They can't have the office. Neither one of those. They cannot function in that role. Why? Look what it says here in verse, in verse 12. It says, I do not allow them to, to teach, to have that authoritative role of a teacher, to be a teacher, to teach spiritual truths. I don't allow them to have a, exercise authority or have the office over a man because God has preserved that for men. Now, before we use this verse... And everything else outside the church, we need to be careful. This verse does not say that women cannot be presidents. Wish it did, you know, that'd be easy. It doesn't say that women cannot be professors outside the church. It doesn't say that a woman cannot be a principal of a school. It doesn't say that we can't have any women bosses. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about when we come together in the assembly, women are not to get into the pulpit and teach us spiritual truths or to hold the office of an elder slash pastor. That's not for them. They can't do it. That's not what God wants. That's not their function. That's not their role. And he's going to give us some reasons why this is God's Word. What is he saying here? Why does God want this not to be? He says in verse 12, this is what I want. I don't allow them to take this role of a teacher. I don't allow them to have the, the office of a pastor over a man. Here's why. I want them to remain quiet. Don't be disruptive. Verse 13, he's going to give us two reasons why. 13 and 14. Here's why. Adam was... When was he created? Don't be scared to say it. He was created first. Let's go back to creation. Interesting, the word first there is protos, the same word that he uses, that I am the chief of sinners. I am the principal of sinners. I am first. He goes back to creation. Now, why is that important? Let me tell you why. Here's why. Because Adam was created first. And Eve came not only after Adam, not only out of Adam, but for Adam. In other words, are you ready for this? Men need help. Amen. <laughs> and there is a, a little joke about this. When God created Adam and looked at him and said, wow, Adam, unbelievable like you are. He said, you know what? I can do so much better than that. And he created Eve. Amen. And women came. But he's not just talking about chronology. He's talking about this. There is a reason why a woman was created. And here's what's amazing about this. I never picked this up, and I was studying this out more and, and, and seeing what, what the, the first problem in the first pages of scriptures. Do you remember what it was? The first problem in the first pages of scripture. What was it? 
It was loneliness. Adam, it's not good for man to be what? Alone. This is before sin. His relationship with God was perfect. There was nothing lacking between him and God, but there was something that he needed. So what does God create? Eve. Out of Adam. For Adam. And if you ever study Genesis 2, he sees Eve and he sings a song to her. Do you remember the song? Oh, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. That's the biblical one. <laughs> but he started singing to her, this is a man's world. <laughs> but it'd be nothing without a woman. No. He looks at it and he realizes. And, and, and what the scriptures say is amazing. In Genesis chapter 2, he said, God created her for he, to be a helper. A helper. Man needs what? Help. And so she is a supporter. Paul says, you know why this, uh, women can't teach? Understand the creation. Understand why women, women were made to help. And, and, and here's what he's saying here. He's saying that Adam was first and then Eve. He has privileges by being first. And he has responsibilities by being created first. As we're going to see here in a moment. But as we understand creation, if God really wanted a woman to have authority over a man, he messed up in creation. Because there was a time when a woman couldn't be the authority of a man. Why? She didn't exist. What a, what a thought here. And yet he says here that go back to creation. Now also go back in Genesis 3. He's going to talk about this. Verse 14. What else happened here? He goes back to the fall. He says, it was not Adam who was deceived. Now, now, now don't, don't miss this because what he's saying here is that Adam, with his eyes wide open, sinned. The serpent came and, and, and talked to Eve and, and some people believe that Adam was right there next to, to Eve while the serpent speaking and Adam did nothing. Look what happens here in verse 14. It was not Adam who was deceived, but the woman being deceived. In other words, here's what, here's what he's saying. He's going back to where Adam was supposed to take leadership over Eve and, and, and protect her from, from danger and all that. And what does Adam do while Eve is getting tempted? You know what Adam did? Are you ready for this? Nothing. And so Adam just sits there. Eve takes the leadership, says, you take and eat. He follows her leadership. And what happens to society because of that? We are in the mess that we are in now. He says this, whenever a woman undermines a man's leadership and whenever a man doesn't take the leadership that he ought to take, disaster follows. Disaster follows. I see it in marriages. I, I see it in churches. I, I see it all over the place. When, when men do not step up and do their God-given roles to lead, and when, when women undermine this and, and take that leadership, disaster follows. Paul goes, think about the fall. You don't want a woman getting into the pulpit preaching and taking the position of a man. You don't want that. that look what happens. Disaster happens. We're seeing it all over the world. 
He's saying here in verse 14, it was not Adam who was deceived, but it was the woman was being deceived, fell into transgression. Now, who was responsible for the fall? Adam was. Because he was supposed to take the lead. And he didn't do it. Now, here's where people start to pout and shout. They say, I can't, come on, that's old-fashioned. There's plenty of women who can preach better than men. And let me just tell you something. You're right. There are women who are gifted, gifted speakers. And there are men who are horrible at speaking. And so we can use all that and we can say, you know, why don't we do this and why don't we do that and why can't women just, and we just focus on what they can't do. That's why I love verse 15. Because Paul is going to say this, there is a uniqueness about a woman that no man has or ever will have, even though we live in this sick world where they're trying to change and that. No, no man has. And I've never seen a man fight with his wife over this. The bearing of children. Katie and I have never gotten into one fight about why do you get to bear children and I don't. I've never fought her over that. I praise God that I don't have to do that. Some people are like, why can't I? Wait, no, no, no man. I've never seen a man come into church and start pouting. I can't believe my wife's pregnant and I'm not. That's foolishness. But yet there's women. Why does he get to preach and I don't? Understand the uniqueness of a woman. Understand how God, now we understand not all women can have babies. God in his sovereignty, he, he knows all that. And we understand this too. Not, not, not all women are called to be married. There's some that have the gift of singing. That's fine. But he's using this to elevate women. And he's going to say this. There is something about a woman. Look at verse 15. The uniqueness, the unique gift that she has, and it is a gift, if anyone can bear a child, it is a gift from God. Look at this in verse 15. She will be preserved. Now, now don't miss this. The word there is so-so in the Greek, it's salvation. She will be saved through the bearing of children. Now, let me say two things that we know that this cannot mean. This cannot mean that she will always be saved physically through bearing of children. Why? A lot of women died when they, when they had children. And especially back then when there wasn't all these medicines, all these shots, all the things that they have now for women. Women died having children. It was very hard for them to have children. So he's not talking about physically saved. He's definitely not talking about spiritually saved. If that was the case, I'd be in the pulpit saying, ladies, please get married and have a kid or you're not going to heaven. You need to have a kid right now. He's not talking about spiritual salvation because we know that salvation is not by works. It's only by faith in Jesus Christ. So what is he talking about here? She's going to be saved, preserved. She's going to be, the word can mean healed. The word can mean protected. The word can mean rescued. And here's what he's saying. Watch this. Turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 5. I want to show you this. There is something about being able to have children and focusing on them and enjoying the God-giving role that God has allowed you to do that preserves or protects you from the attacks of the enemy. Watch this. 
Verse 14, but I want younger widows to be married, to bear children, to keep the house, and to give the enemy, I may skip church when I preach this one, and give the enemy no occasion for reproach. Look at this. Verse 15, for some have already turned aside to follow Satan. So in other words, going back to 1 Timothy 2 and taking it in the context that the serpent got Eve and deceived Eve, he's saying this, if you want to be preserved, if you want to be protected, if, if you want to be healed from that stigma of what women can't do and can do, here's what you need to focus on. Focus on what God has allowed you to do and focus on a wonderful thing. Focus on children. Let me tell you something. I, I look at our kids now, and they're not, they're far from perfect. Far from it. I see all the hard work that Katie has put into loving them, caring for them, sharing the Bible with them, being there for them. There is nothing like a mother's love for her children. We, we, we bear the fruit of it here in our church. I think of Sam. I know he was no saint, believe me. And yet his mother loved him, helped him, worked with him. And now we bear the fruit of having a Sam here who loves God. He's saying you have a unique role of being able to pour your life into children. Don't miss that. Don't let the world tell you, well, you got to have this and be successful and do that and have a career and have a kid and throw them into a, a, a home and, and don't even be around the kid. No, focus on them. Love them. Have an impact on them. Live out what God has allowed you to do. That's a wonderful thing. And let me just tell you something. That's something that we as men, we don't, we can't do. There's nothing like a mother's love to a child. You see, at the moment they're born and they hold them, right here it's beautiful it's beautiful and so he's saying be that example love that enjoy that somebody says but what if they can't have children what do they do then well they could still focus on other children and pour godly virtues into them we just met a coach he was only allowed one daughter and yet he said this i want to be known as a coach who had one daughter but yet a thousand sons Poured his life into young boys and impacted their lives. They don't have to only be our children. We, we can impact other children. There's a, a little uh, thing for children's ministries there. Yeah, and it could be in the children's ministry. Impact children. It's wonderful. It's amazing. But you better be the example. Look at this verse. He's saying this, women will be preserved to the bearing of children as some kind of safety there from the stigma of what they can't do or what they can do. Look at this, if they continue, in what? Look at the four things there. Their faith, they're trusting in God. They're, they're believing in God. Their faith is in God. Their love, their love towards their family and their love towards other and God's people. Sanctity, talking about their holiness. They're living a, a holy life. And this is the hardest part. Self, what? Restraint. You know what it's saying there? It takes self-control 
to live in your God-given roles. Because a lot of people say, well, I don't want to listen to God. I'm just going to do what God, I do what I want. I can care less what God. That is a lack of self-control. Do you know why we're in the mess that we're in right now? Eve did not have self-control. It is amazing. And there is rebellion all over the world. Why? Because of a lack of self-control. A lack of saying, I am going to live out my God-given design. A lack of men stepping up and being what God wants them to be. A lack of women submitting to what the scriptures say. We're living in a world that lacks self-control. Paul says, you make an impact in lives. You make an impact and you live out your God-given role. And you thank God for that. Who can look at this passage and say that women are restricted? They're not. They have a wonderful calling from God. The question is, are we living that calling? Are you living what God wants you to be? Let's pray. Father, we, we thank you so much for your scriptures. And Lord, we know that this is not an easy passage. So Father, I pray that, that it would be clear to all of us here that you have given us God-given roles. Every lady that walks in here, Lord, she can learn Learn the essentials of the truths of the scriptures. Learn about you. Learn about love. Learn about faith. Learn about marriage. Learn about raising a family. Learn. They could learn, Lord. Thank you so much. Help us all to have a heart of a disciple. To be learners. With entire submissiveness. With an open heart to receive your word. God, there's things that women can't do in the assembly. I didn't write it, you did. Lord, there's, we cannot have women teaching scriptures to men. We cannot have women holding the office that you have reserved for men. So Lord, that's okay. But we need you so that men would step up and do these things. And so, Father, help each man here to realize, hey, we have a responsibility. We have a leadership role. We ought to know the Bible. We ought to be able to teach it to our families, to those around us. And if you will, to teach it in the church as well. So, God, help us to realize that. Help us to realize the beauty of creation, that you created man first and then Eve, out of man after man and for man because you know we needed help and it wasn't good that man be alone father we look at the fall we look at all the disaster that happened afterwards the pain and ch childbearing the, the the buck against authority man not enjoying his job so many things that happened after the fall the mess that we're in because man did not take the responsibility in the leadership role that he should have.
God, help us. Help us. And then, Father, I pray that each one would be encouraged here, whether they can have children or not. The unique role that you've given to them, and only them, that, Lord, that there is a life that's worth living, and there is a function that we can have and make an impact in this society. And although Eve had her part in bringing the sin into society, Lord, women can have a part of changing that by raising and helping godly young people live for you. So I pray that each woman here would say, Lord, use me to be a vessel in your hands to raise young people or influence young people to live for you. What a calling. Father, I pray that with that they would have lives of faith, trust in you, love, holiness, and self-control. We look to you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Okay, I'll be outside with a couple of bodyguards.